Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on MEP Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. It's August 25th. I'm your host, Gabriela Silva-Ponte. Today, we'll be covering stories from how portable garage heaters are causing fires to a Rastafest celebration. But first, let's take a look at today's top news. First up, Ontario is backtracking on its plan to develop a portion of Caledon, Ontario's protected area. Caledon is located 45 minutes northwest of Toronto. A meeting was held Thursday night to discuss a proposed amendment to a ministerial zoning order. CBC News reports the order would have developed 141 hectares of farmland near the future Highway 413. 41 of those hectares were protected Greenbelt land. A ministerial zoning order can be used to help a province bypass local rules to speed up building projects, according to CBC. The public was only notified of this on August 3rd. That day, the town posted on its website that it had not requested the ministerial zoning order and that it was the, quote, sole discretion of Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing Steve Clark. The town said in certain comments that the project would cause, quote, incomplete communities and sprawl, which would promote driving and go against its official climate policy. It also said it opposed the project because of natural hazards, including floodplains from streams of the Etobicoke Creek. Caledon resident Cheryl Connors shared her opposition to this at the meeting. She told council, It's not good for the people of Caledon. It's not good for us as taxpayers. And in an interview with CBC Toronto, she added, The environmentally sensitive features on that site will be harmed by putting dense housing development right there. But shortly before the meeting, Ontario told CBC Toronto and the town that the area covered by the zoning order would now only be 100 hectares and would exclude the Greenbelt protected land. This comes after Premier Doug Ford's government received backlash on its plan to build 15 housing sites on Greenbelt protected land across the Greater Toronto and Hamilton area. The province's Auditor General released a report just two weeks ago that stated the government favored certain developers. The report also found that these sites would not actually help the province's housing crisis. CBC reports the housing minister's chief of staff resigned shortly thereafter, and it prompted a possible RCMP investigation. Spokesperson for the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing, Chris Poulos, said the ministry received a request for a ministerial zoning order for the affected area on June 1st. It said this went along with its planning act and that it started consulting the public the following month. Poulos wrote in an emailed statement, Through the consultation process, it was brought to our attention that the amendment, as submitted by the proponent, contained a section of lands located within the Greenbelt. He added, While feedback is still under review, any consideration of this amendment would not include protected lands located within the Greenbelt. Connors said, Municipalities have lost their ability to govern and are turning into agencies of the provincial government where they have no say on when, where, and how development occurs and who's paying for it. As the Canadian National Exhibition continues, here are some of the foods you might want to take a stab at while you're there, because you won't get to do so anywhere else. First up, attendees can get 20 mini pancakes filled with pineapple, condensed milk, and fruity pebbles. The watermelon burger is certainly one for the books. Instead of bread buns, it uses watermelon slices. Sam's Grill brings that right to you at the CNE.
For the sweet tooth people, how about a hazelnut Ferrero Rocher milkshake? Don't worry, it also comes with a full piece of cheesecake. If you're more of the ice cream type, how about a cheese-coated waffle cone topped with a pretzel and fresh pickle? No, not your thing? Okay, well, how about the street corn ice cream with lime, cotilla cheese, and chili seasoning? Along with the pickle ice cream, CNE visitors can get their hands on some pickle fries from Mr. Vegetable. And wait, there's more pickles. How about pickle-flavored cotton candy? It's a whole new world out there for pickle lovers. Those that aren't quite satisfied with small portions can get their hands on a four-pound taco from Machete. Your childhood favorite cereal might just be making a comeback. Try the combination of deep-fried cheese curds with fruity pebbles on top. Yabba-dabba curds can be found at King of Curds. If you can't decide between savory and sweet, try both with the peanut butter and chocolate-flavored corn dogs. No, not your style? Okay, well, how about street corn ribs, a piece of deep-fried corn with varying topping options? Legendary is bringing its own creation to the CNE. You can get an ice cream on a croissant cone. Hey Barbie! If you haven't been able to get over the movie, why not try a special edition mini Barbie and Ken pastry? Health Canada has recalled 68,000 garage heaters sold from Canadian Tire and some other retailers. Concerns were raised about the products overheating and, in some cases, the start of fires. CTV News reports Health Canada issued the notice on Thursday. It asked consumers to, quote, immediately stop using some Mastercraft, Profusion Heat, Prestige, and Matrix portable garage heaters. Heaters with the Intertech file number 3153457 in the colors blue and red are being recalled. They were sold between July 2014 and April 2019. CTV News reports the distributor received 10 reports of the product overheating since August 17th. In three of those incidents, the garage heater caught fire and damaged property, but no injuries were reported. Health Canada said consumers should immediately stop using the recalled product and return it to the place of purchase for store credit or to obtain a replacement unit. Proof of purchase is not required. Kleenex will stop selling its products in Canada. CBC reports the parent company of Kleenex, Cottonelle, Huggies and more, Kimberly Clark, said it will stop producing the facial tissues, though its other products will remain. According to CBC, the Kleenex hand towels and professional face products will still exist in the country. Kimberly Clark's Canadian Vice President and General Manager Todd Fisher said in an email statement, We have been operating in a highly constrained supply environment, and despite our best efforts, we have been faced with some unique complexities on the Kleenex business. He also said, This decision is one that will allow us to shift our resources to better focus on other brands in Canada and meet the needs of our consumers with continued innovation and value. And Fisher added, The decision was incredibly difficult for us to make, and we appreciate consumers allowing us into their homes over the decades and to our retail partners for their support. CBC reports in recent years, other brands like Bugle Snack Chips, Skippy Peanut Butter, and Delicio Frozen Pizza have also pulled out of the Canadian market. The Ontario Provincial Police's Amber Alert system has been fixed after a, quote, technical issue prevented it from sending out a notification regarding a recent abduction. 
CP24 reports the police force attempted to use the system early Thursday morning about a missing three-month-old child. In a statement released Friday, it said, During the attempt to issue an Amber Alert, the OPP experienced a technical issue. As a result, the OPP contacted the Provincial Emergency Operations Centre, its counterpart at Emergency Management Ontario, which was able to issue the alert on the OPP's behalf to LTE-connected wireless devices in the area where the child was last seen. And the OPP added, This approach was supported by investigators, who had reason to believe the suspect has not, had not travelled far. Anyone outside of the immediate area of the alleged abduction did not receive an Amber Alert, including those living in Toronto. The child was allegedly abducted by the father in Roseneath, Ontario, located about 150 kilometers west of Toronto. CP24 reports the child was found safe a few hours after the alleged abduction, and police said the child's father was taken into custody. The news release also said the OPP is taking multiple steps to ensure this does not happen in the future. Police said their technical teams are working on a backup to, quote, circumvent automated updates that are outside the OPP's control. The teams will also be working to create manual process to give people access to the National Alert Aggregation and Dissemination System, commonly known as, quote, Alert Ready. Meanwhile, Rastafest took place last weekend. It was the fest's 30th year this year. According to its website, it is, quote, Canada's largest celebration of Rastafari heritage and culture. Last Thursday's event was entitled Jaw Wellness and ran from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the NIA Center for the Arts. It discussed teachings and practices in Rastafari culture, like herbalism, meditation, nutrition, and drumming. I spoke with founder of Greenport Cannabis and event organizer Vivian Wilson. She described what Rastafest is. Well, Rastafest has been going on for over 30 years now, and it's really an event to celebrate Rasta culture. When um, we look at the history of um, Rastafest, it really started out of some of the stereotypes and persecution of a lot of the members of the Rastafari community here in Toronto and they were trying to, the founder Mastani was really trying to give a voice and a presence to the culture so that people can recognize it beyond what the stereotypes were being described in the newspaper. So that really was the impetus behind starting Rastafest over um, 30 years ago. Specifically, this year is happening August 17th, so starting on the Thursday where we're having a jaw wellness event uh, to kick things off. And it happens the, the Friday and the Saturday as well, and that's where you're going to have some live shows and performances that's happening within the Little Jamaica area. So the Thursday jaw wellness event is really just taking us back to the the cultural aspects again, the lividity of what Rasta culture is. So looking at, we'll be having free idol food so people can understand what that is. It's really just a, um, a healthier way of, of, of eating. Long before we were talking about vegan, we're, there was idol. And, um, and so we're giving people a taste of what that is. Then looking at the ceremonial drumming as well, and usually and that's really connecting to the spiritual self and the having that spiritual communal experience. 
And we also dive into a lot of the health aspects, such as herbs, um, using alternative uh, medicines, such as having a herbalist there, um, a nurse practitioner who's going to talk about alternative medicines, including cannabis. And then we go into having panel discussions with Rasta elders that talk about just the Rastafari experience, whether it's here in Toronto, in Jamaica, or around the world. We also dive into the cannabis um, industry as well, because that's a huge part of the community and a huge part of the reason why the community has been targeted within Toronto and other parts of the world. And so it's really just an opportunity to give us a real holistic view into wellness, but um, bridging it with the Rastafari culture and um, community. So the event kicks off with an emancipation walk, and that's really to identify and celebrate the fact that this is Emancipation Month and it's Marcus Garvey's birthday. And Marcus Garvey was huge, um, especially from a cultural perspective, in that he spoke a lot about liberation and about being celebrating culture and celebrating who we are um, for people who are represented within the black community. So we have Dewitt, who is um, who actually is a huge leader within the emancipation celebration, emancipation space. We have Masani, who has, is the founder of Rastafest and has been organizing and leading this for over 30 years. She'll be one of our speakers, just highlighting the Rastafest through the years. We have Denisha Pendergrass, um, She's definitely someone who celebrates and educates about the Rastafari culture. She's a filmmaker and is also Bob Marley's granddaughter. And then we have elders within the Rastafari community here who are going to talk about Rasta culture and community, etc. And then we have um, the president and CEO of the Ontario Cannabis Store coming in to do a fire chat, a fireside chat, and just diving into how the government can incorporate or what are the opportunities to give back within into this community that has been heavily impacted by the war on drugs. We also have representatives that are going to speak about restorative justice, economic um, cultivation, as well as economic industry aspects within cannabis space. So that would be Stephen, the CEO and founder of Chronic Relief. We have George Smitherman, former deputy premier, and also the head of C3, which is a group which represents a lot of the LTs, the licensed producers here, cannabis licensed producers here in Canada. We also have a cannabis lawyer, Keisha, who represents clients here in Toronto as well as in Jamaica and one of her focus is the cannabis industry. So we have a wide, I would say a wide group of speakers coming in that will give us that breadth um, and depth of information from a Rastafari culture, um, including the ganja industry as well as that health aspect, the health and wellness aspect of, of it all to bring it all together. We will be having meditation as well. I, oh, that's something that um, is really important, I would say, to have included that aspect of it about connecting with oneself. And that's a part of that med- the meditation um, session is going to be sharing because it's not just about, of course, it's important to have to eat well and to understand about um, 
you know, alternative medicines, herbs that we've been using for hundreds and hundreds of years and those benefits, but it's also good to connect internally and understand what's going on mentally. And that's why we're introducing and making sure we have that uh, meditation session, Relax with Pat, she's well known in the city um, leading these types of sessions. So it's a great opportunity to, to take part in a holistic wellness session for um, on August 17th. And Wilson went into the importance of teaching the general population about these topics. Well, the, the culture of um, Rastafari is, it spans the globe. And a lot of times what people understand about it is of course taught through, you know, reggae music, Bob Marley, etc. And that's, and that's fantastic. We definitely celebrate that aspect of it but there's so much more and if you're not celebrating the reggae and Bob Marley oftentimes these groups are being targeted for um, and are being stereotyped in a negative way so that's what we're trying to do it's not just about the reggae music it's not just about Bob Marley we're trying to show people the depth and breath of Rastafari the community, what they've added to this, the culture, the little Jamaica, Toronto, and the globe. And that's why it's really important to span the, to have such a wide array of conversations because Rastafari touches a lot of these aspects. And a lot of the times they're not included in these conversations. They're only included when it's in a negative way, um, at times in more stereotypical way and it's time that we we center i would say certain communities in these conversations other than just to take aspects of it and then profit from it um in a more in very particular and stereotypical ways i also spoke with founder of emancipation month do it lee he described the importance of the month you know ultimately what it is, is a global celebration and commemoration of the enslaved and emancipated, it's the story of the enslaved and emancipated people around the world. Um, we have started off with an Emancipation Day, which since the 1800s commemorates this bill that passed, this very um, inadequate bill, it's very unfair and, 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 and still very inhumane bill that was passed by the British in the 1800s. That's, that quote-unquote made um, those enslaved free. Um, but it also uh, generated a very large sum of money to go to those who owned my ancestors. And um, that's been going on, commemorating that in all of the Caribbean islands, and all of Canada, and all of the UK since the 1800s. Um, and it wasn't until 2016 where um, we kind of stumbled across this Emancipation Month concept. Uh, basically, um, I solicited the city of Toronto to be the first uh, city in Canada to raise this flag, this red, black, and green flag. You see it everywhere, right, which is uh, over 103 years old now. Uh, this flag was uh, founded by the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, whose birthday we celebrate today. Okay, so in 1920, they decided to uh, create a flag, among many other things, but with a de declaration of rights of people of African descent. Um, and within this declaration, they included um, the 
the instructions to dedicate these three colors to represent the flags of global African diaspora. Okay, so every country had a flag. You think about it, there's African Canadians, African Americans, African Caribbean, African Africans, right? And with all this separation and division, um, because of different flags in different countries, uh, one flag was founded to represent all of that. Um, so I asked the city of Toronto to raise the flag, and they told me no, multiple times. No. And then I kept sending and submitting to them um, links of cities that have raised this flag, okay? Um, during Juneteenth, which is a celebration of the, the emancipation of those in America. Anyway, they finally said yes, and uh, they left me um, with very little time to get it done in August, um, and little time to let the community know. So I chose the last Sunday of the month, which is August 28th. And, um, and then I had to find a way to connect August 28th to August 1st. Since 1800s, all we've been doing is, it's always been Emancipation Day since the 1800s, right? So um, I needed to create some kind of synergy and connection between the 1st and the 28th. So I spent weeks searching it, and I came across the original British Slave Act, which in fact had two dates on it. And the first date was the day that they signed this agreement, which was August 28th, 1833. Um, and it went into effect the next year, August 1st, 1834. So in that moment, I said, all right, we have an Emancipation Month. And uh, we, we declared it the closing ceremonies of the first ever Emancipation Month ce celebration. And, uh, and then we got other cities to buy in and other mayors and city councils to issue proclamations. And it wasn't until uh, 2001 where we put together um, that language to represent that bill, which passed in two days. All right, so it received, royal, it received first, second, and third reading in one day, and then the next day, on December 9th, it received royal assent, so making an Emancipation Month in Ontario forever. Lee explained why it's so important to connect Emancipation Month with Rastafest. The Caribbean islands all were impacted by, you know, the lifting of this, the, the abolition of slavery. Um, they were all designed to be just be factories where people worked and, and, and died. Um, producing sugarcane and, 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 and other things that the world demanded. Um, but specifically with Rastafest, I mean, we have a deep connection to um, not just the connection to slavery um, in that took place in Jamaica, um, but all the heroes that are, de are derived from Jamaica, right? Uh, Jamaica has um, several national heroes, um, all who were um, instrumental, influential, and impactful when it comes to the elimination of slavery are are just the pushback against racism and slavery. You know, from Nana and the Maroons and Paul Bogle um, and the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, they're all on J Jamaican currency, right? Um, and they're all heroes to, to, to Rastafarians, right? Um, and there's also a very deep spiritual connection. The Rasta community is deeply spiritual. Um, and they point to Ethiopia as being a place where the word of God, where Christianity, you know, really was preserved and saved and learned and taught. And it's one of, it's one of the, it's where the oldest church was found, right? So um, Emancipation Month also has a very spiritual um, uh, piece to it for people of African descent. So um, we've introduced some new language um, for people to identify with. And, um, and that's people who would like to be identified as spiritual descendants of those enslaved and emancipated. Um, those who carried the word um, from Africa in, in, in plantations all over the world and still was able to walk out of those terrible situations, still loving people. And that's, the, that's one, like one of the biggest Rasta songs, one of the biggest songs is One Love. The whole world loves One Love, right? 
Um, and that was, um, that was our gift to the world, right? To be able to be reflective of the Bible, the words that we believe in, and to be actually be able to walk it and talk it. So, um, so there's a deep connection, and it's not the first time we've worked with Rastafest. Rastafest um, worked with us when we did some flag raisings, um, Marcus Garvey celebrations at, at Toronto City Hall, where we did flag raisings. So, you know, her relationship with the, with the musical community um, is just one of the most unique in the whole world. And uh, she's able to um, change artists' lives by providing them a, a pathway to, um, to profitability and to popularity and, um, and sustainability. So it's an honor to be able to work with what Rastafest has planned for this community. And, uh, and the fact that it's happening during this month of emancipation, you know, we, look, we partner with anyone who's working in the same kind of um, space that we're in. Well, we started off by promoting the physical part of getting well, that's walking. So I want to thank everyone, Dennis um, and Emancipation Month, Queen Stacy for, um, and, and others who participated and engaged us on our route here. Um, you know, it's one thing to sit in a room and eat chips and talk about it. <laughs> and it's another to actually show our community ways to be able to do it. And so um, we feel like a lot has happened progress-wise for our community because we would go out and walk, we would march. You know, we would march and we would march and we'd march more and we'd boycott on buses and walk and bus and, and ride bikes and, you know, so we were, um, you know, so that, that, that's a, an effective way for us to, to change things. This, this year is also the 60th anniversary of the March of Washington. And so um, for us to be able to just get a moment to spend some time marching um, in that spirit of unity, that spirit that we will overcome, um, and, you know, and, that's, and, and obviously it has great health you know, attributes to it. So that was important for us to be able to just give the community something to do. Um, and so we're kicking off the, uh, this, this is like the first annual Marcus Garvey Day Parade. Um, and you know, we planted those seeds. So it's a very special time for us. So yeah, so we wanted to give the community something to do, to be active, to be able to walk the community. You know, a lot of times, um, not like Rastafest is, is deeply embedded in the community. I mean, they have events all over this area. Um, you know, for them to use the Nia Center, for them to be able to use um, what we hope to be called Marcus Garvey Square, which is the Green P located on, on Eglinton. Um, that's why we have our buttons. We support Marcus Garvey Square. Um, so we're hoping that that will be a place where um, it's being referred to right next to Reggae Lane. But, um, you know, a lot of people come into communities and they do events and they just, you know, they occupy a building for a couple hours and they leave, you know, but what we want to do is we want to saturate this community with love, with jaw love, with one love, and, uh, and just us walking down the street, right? People are honking, yeah. people on their porch, right? People will never make it in this building, right? We were able to impact them and inspire them. So that was what we want to do. We want to wake the community up and let them know that something special is here, and that's, and that's Rastafest. Finally, Lee went into detail about an upcoming event. Um, so we actually are introducing this year an Emancipation Fast, and that is going to take place from August 23rd to August 31st. And so we are identifying some um, things that are truly detrimental to our community, such as nicotine, um, sugar, and coffee, right? So coffee, not so bad, bad, but there's still the major wage issues and, and, and slavery that's taking place in those fields, right? And so we need to make sure that um, that we are those who are the descendants of those who emancipated, that we defend, you know, the rights of people to be respected and, and to pay adequately 
for their labors, right? And so slavery has to be our biggest issue, right, to address. And so we're we addressing the slavery issues, the, 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 the working conditions of all those people, but most importantly, the addictive nature of those, right? Um, and the fact that we were snatched from our continent, um, brought to places all over the world, foreign land to be able to cultivate these plants, right? Um, Sugarcane, um, nicotine, you know, tobacco leaf, um, and they all have great addictive measures, right? Detrimental de issues that, will, that have taken lives, right? And so now we're enslaved by the things that we were brought over to plant by people who enslaved us, right? So it's, this, it's a scary cycle that we've allowed ourselves to still be enslaved by. And the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey says, we must emancipate ourselves from mental slavery, but there's also this addictive slavery, the things that are still maintaining a, a grasp and a hold on us, sending us to an early grave and reducing and, and depleting our finances. That's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silva-Ponte. This episode was put together by myself. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.